This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, that's me. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the Blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Federico, Turnbull, Gilmore, Brown, Channel, Bothwell, Baybitch, Mahar, Mullen, Millen, Sutter, Pedersen, Pavasi, Curry, Zuckley, Uthard, Hunter, Schofield, Reeves, Ramage, Kia, Dunlop, Wickenheiser, Crombeam, Benning, Raglan, Ewan, Micheletti, Ramage, Romming, Pavlovsky, Evans, Cavallini, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues. It's finals week. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the world. And we'll be for a little while yet St. Louis Blues. I'm your host, Tom Franklin, joined as always by Wags. Wags, good to see you again. How's your week been? Going great. It's great to see you as well. We're getting some news about a possible NHL return, which we'll talk about. It's it's just it's been a good week, I think. Yeah, it's been a really good week, and you know what? It's 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 been a good day because as as uh, we're recording this, we just got done talking to Gerard, the uh, Dutch St. Louis Blues fan. We went about an hour and a half with him, Wags, and uh, what a guy! Unbelievable. Uh, just a, a great down-to-earth kind of person. Exactly what you would think of a, a St. Louis Blues fan anywhere in the world. Just, just humble, but excited and happy. And everything that about his experience about coming to St. Louis was amazing. And uh, it's another one of those instances where St. Louis rose to the occasion. And, and as he made it a point to mention, very direct you know, which is, which is, uh, you know, which I noticed when he did the promo video that we had on at Blue Notes Pod this week, uh, you know, just he had presence, you know, he just, you know, he had a different kind of presence. And uh, it was, it, it was, it was, he, while he was direct, it, he was also, as you said, very humble, very friendly, and uh, just, we had a great time with him. In fact, we had, we had such a good time that we're actually breaking up his interview into two parts. So uh, we're going to play part one of our interview with Gerard, the Dutch blues fan. And part of the reason we broke it into two parts, not just because we went a good long while with them and it was a really good chat, but next week is the, the actual anniversary. When this next episode comes out, uh, it will be on the day a year ago, he was flying to St. Louis, you know, so that's, we wanted to kind of hit that milestone with them and kind of talk about his memories of St. Louis. So, Look, look for uh, the uh, Gerard chat to start after um, we uh, go into, first of all, the 2014 format and kind of talk about that and where the Blues sit in that. And then, of course, as I mentioned, it's finals week, a bracket of our own. We've have, we, are, we have whittled it down from 64 to 2. 
And I think this is going to be a really good matchup, a better matchup than I think a lot of people may have thought going into this. So we'll uh, break it down for you here and tell you how we're going to handle the voting, how you can take part in that. Uh, it's all coming up here on Blue Notes, uh, stacked episode. This is one of the uh, wags. This is one of those you know episodes where like you wake up actually early in the morning because you're kind of excited to record it, and and, oh. and we're we're finally here. Oh yeah, most definitely. I, I mean, I was up at seven o'clock today going, all right, I talked to somebody from the Netherlands. We're going to talk about hockey returning. We're going to talk about the final two in our bracket. This is one I'm, I'm excited to get recorded and then get out there and hear everybody's perspective on it. Because this is one of those, when you haven't had a whole lot of stuff going on in sports for the last two months, and the fact that we were able to put a show like this together at this point in time, it just gets you excited about where you can go from here. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's it's the the gray storm clouds of this pandemic that have been over our heads since it started. We're starting starting to finally see some blue sky and maybe a little hint of sun. You know, it's it's hockey might be coming back here and I'm looking forward to that. Let's get right into it. So the 2014 playoff format, uh, we had we had heard for weeks and weeks different ideas about how the playoffs would look, how they would work, where they would be played. When will they be played? Well, we finally have something tangible that we can say this is going to happen. The NHLPA board late last week approves the league's plan for a 2014 playoffs upon return. Now, how would a 2014 playoff work? Usually the NHL is 16 teams, and the way a 2014 playoff would work if you were to go from 1 through 12 uh, it just doesn't quite work in the way a usual bracket would work. How it would work, though, uh, how they have done it, is that the top four teams in each conference would get a bye in the first round, essentially. Um, and then who they would face would be determined in four play-in round matches. So right now, as things stand, the Blues would still be a number one seed, um, at this point, there, there's been some talk that, they, that there could be a couple shuffles with the seating. I don't know how exactly that would work. But the Blues, the Avalanche, the Golden Knights, and the Stars would get the first round by in the West. In the East, it would be Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philadelphia getting the buys in the East. Uh, the play-in rounds, um, basically, as it stands right now, uh, the St. Louis Blues, if they stay the number one seed, would play the winner of Calgary and Winnipeg. So uh, never, never thought I would see the Blues playing the Flames before the Western Conference Final again. But here we are uh, in this wacky new world of hockey. Uh, the other matchups, the winner of the Edmonton Oilers and Chicago Blackhawks would take on Dallas. The winner of Vancouver and Minnesota would take on the Colorado Avalanche. And then the winner of Nashville and Arizona, future Central Division matchup. I would like to remind Richie Flores and Corey Crenshaw of uh, our Coyotes podcast. They don't like the fact they're moving to the Central, but it's happening. Uh, the Nashville Predators and the Arizona Coyotes would take on the Vegas Golden Knights. In the Eastern Conference, you would have uh, the winner of Toronto and Columbus taking on Boston. You would ha then have the winner of Pittsburgh and Montreal taking on Philadelphia you would have the New York Islanders and Florida Panthers taking on the winner of that matchup taking on Tampa and then you'd have the winner of Carolina and the Rangers taking on the Capitals so 
I hope that makes some sense because when you when you first look at this bracket, it feels like Wags. You're you're, you're it's it, you're trying to decipher a Salvador Dali painting with its melt with its melting clocks. Uh, you're just quite not quite sure what you're looking at at first. So I hope that makes sense, Wags. Yeah, I mean it does in a sense because you know it's still a bracket, so you can see how everything kind of flows together. Uh, but it's something that's totally different than what you've seen in, in really any sport outside of you know the NCAA tournament where you've got multiple seeds and brackets and playing games and things like that. It's not something you see in professional sports. And it's it's interesting because this is the the plan that the NHL revealed. It's not something that was agreed upon by the players. Now the players have agreed to the the I guess the concept of it. So yes. we're at a point now where the NHL and the players are in agreement that 24 teams will play in a playoff style system whenever they get everything worked out. Uh, the bracketing is something that's that could change, like you said. And one of the reasons why that's in contention is because if the four teams in each conference get those buys, how are they going to be ready to play NHL games when these other teams have already played a, a five game series or what have you? Well, one of the formats that they're looking for is having those four teams play around Robin against each other and then reseeding those top four teams based on the round robin format, which has positives and negatives as well, because positives, you've got guys, you got teams playing in meaningful games, but it's also, you know, if the blues or the Bruins work so hard to get to the number one seed and all of a sudden they don't do well in this round robin and they end up at the four, what does that mean as well? So there's, there's some logistical stuff that needs to still be worked out. Would you prefer these top four seats to get a buy and not play? Would you prefer the top four seats to play, but it doesn't affect the seating or play and have them have some sort of meaning so that the teams are ready to go for playoff hockey. Well, it, it's going to be controversial because as, if they did nothing, the blues would be the number one seed. So you obviously would want prefer to have your team starting off on the best foot possible. But I, I kind of agree with what guy, the Hawaii blues fan said last week in that, you know, part of the big issue when these teams are coming back is you're shaking off rust, you know, and you know, if the blues are just going to be sitting on their butts, watching other teams play a, you know, five-game series, uh, which I think is the favorite right now uh, in the play-in rounds, um, that's five games that they're not going to have to get their, you know, proverbial skates out from under them and, um, you know, really get going in the, in, the, in, in the thick of things. So I would almost rather see I – would, I wouldn't mind, you know, the round-robin kind of an idea where they play three games and just – I mean, because it, it, would, it, would, it would shake off the rust. Um, and I'm confident enough in the Blues' ability that they would still end up on top of it, you know. So that I mean, it's you know, to to be the best, you got to beat the best, you know. That that's what Ric Flair once said. So uh, you know, man of wisdom that one. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 okay with the format. I I know some some people aren't. They're they're finding fault in it and they're questioning it. Um, my my for me, it boils down to one thing: we're getting hockey again. We haven't had hockey since March, early March. It's been a long, painful break. I mean, usually, like, when, when you go into the offseason in hockey, you know, you know it's coming. You know when it happens. It's in the summer. It's not really hockey playing weather anyway. So it's, you know, it's we, – we can it, – it's, it's still tough, but we can endure it. You know, this one kind of took us by surprise. This one is a forced, you know, layoff here that we've had to deal with for the past two and a half months. And I'm ready for it to end. And I, I just want to see hockey again. Um, one thing that uh, has also been reported is that Gary Bettman has 
uh, been on record as saying that there are eight or nine hub cities that are considered contenders uh, for hosting these games. It looks like they're going to have just two hub cities, uh, I guess one for each conference. And it's looking, I mean, as much as I would love to see St. Louis be one of those host cities, just for the selfish reasons I can go in and watch the games. Um, but it looks like that Las Vegas, if there is one favorite of all those cities, it is Las Vegas. And that makes sense because, you know, Las Vegas is a city that is built to, you know, host these kind of events with all its hotel spaces and whatnot. Um, so w- what do you think, Wags? I mean, are you okay with just two hub cities uh, hosting these games? Do you wish there were more? I mean, wh- what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, because there's not going to be any fans at the games, having it in just two hub cities kind of makes a lot of sense because it's less logistical work that you have to worry about because especially in Vegas, I believe there's at least one hotel connected to their arena. So you can just kind of self-contain that hotel and arena complex, house all the teams there and not have to worry about it. Now, the, the part of it that becomes the problem is that other hub city. Does the other hub city have something sort of similar to that? And then it what do you do for the finals? Do you take one of those hub cities, fly the other team in? Do you have to do a two week quarantine between the end of that and the finals because you know, you're flying in from a different area. So there's still some of those logistical things that work out. I'm disappointed that St. Louis isn't probably going to be one of the ones that hosts it because yeah, like you said, selfish reasons, if you were able to find some way as part of the media to go and, and watch these games, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and the thing about the, you know, proximity of hotels, I mean, there is the red line hotel that yep. is, you know, kind of caddy corner from the enterprise center. It's not connected, but I mean, I was kind of thinking about that as I usually drive by the enterprise center on my way to and from work every day. It's like, you know, I mean, if, if you wanted to contain players in like the red line hotel, you probably could because it's close enough to the arena. They could just walk across the street although that's not the 14th and Clark is in the most fun intersection to try to navigate. Um, but it, it, it's a possibility. I, I think, I, I think it's a possibility, but I just, I, I think there, as you, as you kind of pointed out with the Vegas arena, I think there are other cities that are just going to be um, a lot more attractive uh, in that regard. So, um, and, and one other complaint that I have heard is, and I've heard it more in other sports, but you know, I've heard in the NHL too, is that there's going to be no fans at these games. And there's some people that are, and some fans that are concerned about what's the actual games going to be like without fans. Uh, I mean, we've kind of seen how it's been going in other leagues, like the Bundesliga in German, in, in Germany rather, where you had uh, Hertha Berlin taking on Union Berlin in one of the hottest rivalries in the entire you know, continent of Europe. Uh, I saw pictures of last year's game between those two, and you had just like, you know, you had uh, flares going up in the stands, like the whole, like one side of the arena looked like it was on fire just because of all the, you know, flares going up. And then they play this past weekend, and there's nothing. And it just, it just, the aesthetics and the lack of sound, it was, it was definitely an impact there. So people, some people are concerned about how is that going to play into hockey? Well, I can't, this is not exactly an apples to apples comparison, but the very first game that I did public address for at McKendry University this year, uh, it was in a side rink. It was not their usual rink because it had been like double booked that day. And unfortunately, McKendry was the odd team out. Uh, but it was a women's game, 
And there may have been five fans in the stands. It was like a very small bleacher area in one of the uh, um, one, behind one of the goals. Uh, there may have been five fans total, but I watched the game and it, I don't think it affected the players at all. I mean, they, they still played hard. They had, uh, they were able to communicate easier, you know, cause they didn't have to, you know, talk over the yell over the fans. Uh, I don't think in the case of the NHL, it's going to affect things much. What do you think Wags? I don't think it'll affect as much as people think. Um, these are professional athletes. They know how to get themselves hyped up. They know what to stake, especially if it's the Stanley Cup Finals or the Stanley Cup Playoffs. They know it's a different animal. Um, so they're going to be they're going to be pumped and ready to go. I think where it's going to come down to is just like what you said, as far as the communication is concerned. Yeah, teams are going to be able to communicate a lot better on the ice. That's something that home teams won't be able to take advantage of anymore, and that's that's going to make the home ice aspect of it not as you know, needed. And because you're playing in a hub city now and only one rink with all the teams there, you're not going to truly have a a home ice advantage. And this is really going to show us which teams are really the best teams because there are going to be no distractions outside of the whole fact that you're, you know, segregated by yourself (laughs) in a hotel with the other teams, but it really is going to show you which team is the best team out of this because they're all going to be on the same playing field. And as much as the fans make an impact on the game, especially in the NHL, I don't think you're going to see it as big of an impact with them not being there as you would think. Yeah, I, I, and I just don't see it either. Uh, the, the other, th- the, the only other, the other aspect I'm, I'm curious about, you know, and that, and this will come out in the days and weeks to come, is uh, what's the time frame for getting these games done? and getting these teams in the books and getting them started and getting them finished. Because the word I, I read out of the, uh, um, I forget what article I read. I think it may have been the athletic, um, but it was mentioned that the NHL doesn't want these playoffs to go too far in the future. You know, like they don't, I don't think they want to award the Stanley cup in August or September, you know, necessarily because that that'll affect the start of the next season, obviously, which they're kind of, I think they're looking at a December start for that. So to get all these games in, because you're effectively adding another round of NHL playoffs here, um, and you're, I mean, there's there's talk of shortening the play-in rounds to like you know best of five. Is I don't think we're we're definitely not going to see the separation between games that we've seen in years past, where you know you you play like game one, then you get a night off, and then you play game two, and then you travel, then you get two nights off, and then you come back. I think that definitely that two nights off thing. I think that's done. Um, I think that they're going to try to get these games in as quickly as possible. And if you're talking about twelve teams in one hub city you've got to play some like weekday, you know, early afternoon games, don't you, Wags? Yeah, I would think you – my thought is you'd probably be playing three games a day, uh, starting early afternoon and then, you know, early evening and then late evening. And and you can even set it up to where your East Coast teams are playing earlier, your West Coast teams are playing later uh, to kind of keep them on the same sort of time cycle despite the fact that you're in Vegas or maybe in Toronto, what have you. Um, You know, the fact that – the West is still kind of in the same time frame, and the East will be still in the same time frame. Um, you know, you're not getting such wildly different time game times, but yeah, I think you have to play at least three games a day. Maybe alternate it to where you know it's 
one pot here and then another pot here and then back and forth and you alternate days off. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they set this up because I wouldn't want to be the team that plays the early afternoon game and have that kind of screw up everything about my game planning. Yeah. And, and just, and just when you physically are used to playing games, I mean, yeah, that that's definitely going to be a, a factor. And then of course the other factor is going to be by the time you get to the Stanley cup final, you're going to have a lot of games in your belt. In fact, actually, you know, if you're, if you're one of the play in teams that end up in the final, um, I was thinking Jordan Bennington 16 win, um, you know, romp through the playoffs last year as a rookie that I wonder if that's in jeopardy just because you're going to have teams that are going to be playing more than 16 games. Um, but you know, that, that, that's a small thing. What do you think about the blues chances if they, if they're going to have, you know, to play all these games in such a quick time frame in terms of stamina? I mean, last year, the blues, they, all their series win at least six games. So they, they played in a lot of games in the playoffs last year. Um, what do you think their chances are this year in that regard? I think they're just as good. Uh, and, and the main reason is, and this is why it was going to be so hard for them to repeat this year, is because they played so many games in the playoffs. You go through that short break, right back into the season, then a long extended playoff. Well, all of a sudden, and yes, other teams are getting this this part as well, but for the Blues, it's even more beneficial to have this time off. Your bodies are able to recover. You're getting the rest that you didn't get last summer in between the parades and the celebrations and all those sorts of things. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's on a level playing field. You got everybody healthy. Everybody's rested. This team's ready to go. And if they're playing every other day at the level that they play at right now, it, this sets up very, very nicely for the Blues because you get into the rhythm. Your body's going to feel the same day in and day out because you're you've got a, a completely set up program where it's one day play off, one day play off, one day play off. If that's the way they set it up, I think it sets up very, very well for them. They've got a good matchup in, in Calgary slash Winnipeg. If that's who they face in the first round, if that's how it's set up, it, it, it sets up very, very well for them. I'm excited. And yes, it's you know going to be an asterisk if when this gets set up, but wouldn't this be a harder trophy to win now than it would have been last year? Yeah, that's that, and it's interesting. And, I, and I, one aspect I think is going to be key to whoever you know makes the entire run is that we've been talking a lot in, especially in like within the last year or two, about how teams need to have two good goalies, you know, to to get to the dance because of fatigue and because just you know in case of injury or things like that. I look at a team like the Blues who, you know, if, if you're talking to uh, analytics experts like Dr. Arp from, um, from the Ice Analytics podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, I think he recently pointed out that the, uh, Jake Allen was technically the best backup in the entire NHL this year. How big is that going to be if you find that Bennington is starting to get tired and, or maybe if the, schedule, if the schedule makers say, hey, the Blues had to play uh, back-to-back? You know, I mean, do you, I mean, like, do you, you know, go with Bennington in the first game and do you allow yourself to bring in, you know, Jake Allen, the second game? I mean, that's going to be a big factor. Um, you know, I, th- I mean, for me, I, I know every year goaltending is, is, is just so pivotal to who wins the Stanley cup. I think this year it's, it's not going to be just, you know, which one goalie gets hot, but whether do teams have an adequate backup in place? 
that's what scares me about a team like Vegas. They've got such great goaltending in in, in Mark Andre Fleury and, and Robin Leonard now that yeah, they're a good team offensively. But now they've got two goaltenders like the Blues that can come in and shut down a, a team. And if they match up in the finals of whatever or however that works out, wherever they meet meet up, Vegas is, is a scary, scary team. Yeah, and and just think about how scary they were before Leonard even arrived into town. I mean, that's uh, that that's gonna be a team to be reckoned with for sure. And looking at the brackets here, um, if uh, where would the Blues take on the uh, the Golden Knights here? Because the Knights would be it, it, just assuming that they stay the way they are. Um, the uh, brackets right now. Let's see here. Let me... it, it looks like they would be they would meet in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, so there we go. That's uh, for, for those of us are, that are wondering if we're going to get the good matchups, bef- you know, at the beginning of the brackets. This might be a reversion to the way the uh, the playoffs were because you're right; it would be um, Vegas and the Blues in the Western Conference Finals, and to me, that could be the matchup of the uh, of the whole shebang here. Um, also worth noting that uh, in this format, uh, in the if if the Blues get a bye and they're rusty and they have to take on who they're going to take on uh, in the first round. First of all, they have to get through Winnipeg or Calgary, but then in the second round, they're looking at another date with Dallas swags. And we know about what Dallas and Ben Bishop can do in the playoffs. And my PTSD is kicking in. Just from last year, uh, it's it's that that's going to be another tough series. It's I don't think that you know I I think the Blues last year they kind of got lucky in facing the Sharks in the Western Conference Finals because they were so beat up, and you know by the time that the series was done, I I remember seeing an image of the Sharks bench being half empty because everyone was just broken and hurt. Um, I don't think they're going to get that lucky this time around. It's it, it's going to be a tough road for the Blues, I think. Yeah, I mean, and the reason that the Sharks were so beat up was because of the, the physicality that the Blues inflicted upon them. And San Jose's defense outside of Brent Burns is, was tiny. They were small. I mean, even Eric Carlson, as good as he is, was a, is a tiny defenseman. But the, the teams that you're going to be facing going into this into this format have bigger teams. And we saw that in the Dallas series is they matched us physically all the way through all seven games. So if you end up meeting Dallas again in these in these playoffs, you're not going to be able to beat them down. It's going to be a skill on skill kind of battle. And and Dallas took us to the break. They took us to double overtime in game seven. They know that they could beat us if they, if they wanted to. So that matchup could be an incredibly scary matchup. Um, kind of just hoping that we don't get to that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so too. I hope so too. Well, that's what I think about the uh, format. That's what Wags thinks of the format. Uh, we need a third person here to give us some more perspective here. And for that, we're going to reach out to our new friend from Hawaii. Uh, you know, ABC News Radio had Paul Harvey. CBS Radio had Charles Osgood. We have Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan. Uh, this is his first Aloha commentary here on Blue Notes. And uh, he's talking about the playoffs. Uh, what's going on, Guy? <laughs> Tom and Wags. Hey, had you heard, and just like everybody else has heard, the NHL has decided on this 24-team playoff. Every time I say it, I think it comes out like 2014, not 24 teams. But hey, that's the St. Louis boy in me. 
Um, and I thought I'd tell you guys what I think about it. I'm also shooting a show today, and I'm going to post that, so I'll go a little more in depth to it. But quick things, pros and cons. Pro, we're back playing hockey. It puts some money in the NHL coffers, which they most definitely need. And it does, in some ways, take the regular season into account. But in my opinion, not enough. And this is some of the cons. The cons, in order to make this work, they had to go to 12 teams. Montreal and Chicago, and Chicago is the last place team in the Central. Because the Central only has seven teams, you know, that's, should, should Chicago or Montreal get in? Honestly, I don't think so, but I understand the purpose of bringing them in. They're going to set this up like a uh, NCAA tournament bracket where you have your one seed will play eight and nine, uh, two seed will play seven or ten, three seed will play six or eleven, and your four seed will play five or twelve. Um, okay, here's the problem with this. The one through four seeds haven't been set yet. And the one through four seeds are going to be set by a three-game tournament during the wild card or play-in round. Fine, but make the regular season count. So in this three-game play-in, I think that the team that is the number one overall seed should start with three points. The team that is number two should start with two points. The team that is number uh, one, or number three, should start with one point. And each divisional winner should start with an extra point. So uh, St. Louis and Boston would each start with uh, a bonus point. And Washington and Vancouver, or Washington and the Vegas Golden Knights would start with a bonus point. This way, the regular season matters in that setting of the one through four seeds. Now, the other thing that I think they need to do, and they've said that the playing round would be a best of five, I think they should make it a best of six. And now, while you're scratching your head wondering how do you do a best of six, it's simple. The higher seed team starts with one win already. Make it harder, as hard as possible, for these lower ranked seeds, seeds that should probably not be in the playoffs, to advance. Um, to me, if you do that, it's fair, it evens the money up, and it makes this tournament have a sense of legitimacy. Well, that's the Aloha Report. Aloha, Tom and Wags. Talk to you next week. All right, and thank you so much, Guy, for uh, for that. Uh, by the way, you can follow him on YouTube. He uh, is the uh, he has the Blue Notes fan reports. Uh, just search for the Blue Notes fan uh, Blue Note fan report. Uh, friend of the program, and as I said, he will be. You'll hear his Aloha commentaries on Blue Notes going forward. Uh, great guy. And we couldn't do it all without. Um, coolhockey.com. Cool Hockey is one of our sponsors here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we currently have a contest still going with them. We have one more week in it where if you purchase a Cool Hockey jersey before June 1st, and you can use the promo code THPN for 30% off, uh, through our link, coolhockey.com slash THPN, so we can track your order. 
Uh, if you buy a jersey, tell us which jersey you ordered on Twitter at Blue Notes Pod. Uh, you will be entered into a $175 cool hockey gift card giveaway. We'll announce the winner on Saturday, June 6th. The video will be posted at our Hockey Podcast Network Twitter account, at HockeyPodNet. Uh, we'll welcome you on as a guest uh, so you can show off your new jersey, uh, and then you can use that $175 to basically buy you another jersey because we hockey jerseys are awesome. They're wonderful. Uh, as I'm recording this, I am wearing my Robert Thomas clown jersey, which, by the way, Wags, uh, after uh, we got done recording last week, uh, you made a purchase on Cool Hockey. I did. I did. And, and ironically enough, I purchased a Robert Thomas clown jersey. See, they're popular. They are. I mean, it, it, my mindset is I wanted a jersey with a name on it that's going to be a guy that's going to be around for a while that has skill. Uh, I was going between him and Pareko, and I feel like Pareko is getting a whole lot of love. And Thomas is still on that early cusp of greatness. And I wanted to be on there at the at the ground level, and uh, that's why I went with Thomas. Yeah, good good choice. Because yeah. that's uh, that's I, it, for me, it was down to either Thomas or Ryan O'Reilly, and I really could not have gone wrong with a Ryan O'Reilly. But my my re- rationale for buying a Thomas was the same as yours. He's a kid with skill. He's going to get better and better, and I think he's going to be a blue for a very 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 long time. Uh, I think O'Reilly will too as well. In fact, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if O'Reilly retires here. To be honest with you. Um, but, uh, I feel O'Reilly jerseys are pretty popular right now. I already have an O'Reilly. It's actually a Buffalo Sabres, Ryan O'Reilly Jersey. that some disgruntled Sabres fan sold right after he got traded to St. Louis. So, um, uh, I, I took advantage of him pretty badly. Uh, I'll probably go to hell for it, but, uh, regardless, uh, coolhockey.com slash THPN go there, buy a Jersey before June 1st. And then just let us know on Twitter at blue notes pod, which Jersey you bought. And make sure you use THPN for 30% off at checkout. All right, so uh, we, we've uh, now going to move on to finals week of a bracket of our own. My God, we, we actually finally got to the finals, Wags. That, this is, it feels like a long time coming. It does. We, we, when we first started this, we are like, okay, this is going to help us pass the time for a little bit to get to a point where sports comes back. We thought, yeah, we'll, we'll take a, a round at a time, maybe speed it up if, if things start to come to a head. And thankfully enough, we were able to stretch this out to a point where we might end this right about the time that sports starts to come back. So this, this ended up being an absolutely perfect thing for us to do. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, uh, we, we definitely did not plan for this to end when it did, but uh, I think, you know, it's, it, it's definitely a uh, good timing for sure here. So, and of course uh, we want to thank our uh, friends at Manscaped for uh, making uh, this, uh, this uh, bracket possible. Isha will tell you about uh, Manscaped here in just a little bit. Uh, and there is a code right now if you uh, go on Manscaped and uh, buy one of their razors that you can use to save yourself some money. Uh, the promo code is THPN. You save 20% off and get free shipping at manscaped.com. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get into our matchup here, our one matchup that we have to talk about this week. And uh, it is Coming out of the defense bracket and defeating goaltender Jordan Biddington, it is the number one seeded Chris Pronger taking on the number one seeded Brett Hall, who came out of the after Hall forwards bracket, and he took out Bernie Federko. So the voting 
in last round. It was Chris Pronger over Jordan Bennington, 76 to 24%. And then Brett Hall defeated Bernie Federko, who was uh, Guy's uh, pick, uh, 80 to 20%. Um, results that I feel were pretty fair wags. I, I, I think that's about what I expected. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I was a little surprised that the Pronger-Bennington matchup wasn't just a little bit closer because of the cup, because that was some of the arguments that people were making was, I went with Bennington because he ended up getting us the ultimate prize and things like that. Uh, but it was it was kind of a landslide on both brackets for who came into the finals. And I think this is what we expected when we started this, was a Pronger-Hall matchup. Um, but the way that these guys got here and the arguments that were made along the way make this seem like a matchup that could go either way. I think this, I think this is honestly, it's a, it's a coin. I, for me, it's a coin flip. Uh, and, and you don't really realize that about Chris Pronger and, and his time in St. Louis. We often think of, you know, it's easy to think of Brett Hall as a blues fan, just, you know, when he's not drunk on stage um, or, you know, at a, you know, before the playoff game, you know, when he's, you know, doing his scream, you know, let's go blues. It, you can hear it every episode here. Uh, Chris Pronger was, was people forget how good Chris Pronger was. Um, and, and, but when you look at them, there's some, there's a lot of similarities. They're, they're both hall of famers. They both won the heart. They both won the top award um, for the top regular season award for their respective positions. Uh, Pronger won the Norris the year he won the Hart, and then Brett Hall won the uh, Ted Lindsay Award uh, the year that he won the Hart. Um, Hall has a Bing Trophy, which uh, is something that uh, Chris Pronger will never even be allowed to touch because, let's face it, Chris Pronger was not a Lady Bing type of a player, but that's all right. Um, Chris Pronger went to four all-star games. Brett Hall went to three. Um, both were traded for very good, but, uh, maybe not great, great, great players. Um, Brett Hall was, uh, acquired for essentially Rob Ramage. Uh, and then Chris Pronger was acquired for Brendan Shanahan. Now Shanahan's a hall of famer. Ramage is not, um, so that's that. So you can give the slight advantage to, uh, to to Pronger in terms of what it costs to acquire him, anyway. Uh, according to Hockey Reference, uh, Brett Hall in his career has 154 point shares. Uh, Chris Pronger has 139. Uh, in their careers, Chris Pronger uh, in their St. Louis careers, Pronger played 598 games, and uh, Brett Hall played 744. Pronger had 84 goals, 272 assists, 356 points. He has he was a plus 140. Uh, Brett Hall, 527 goals, 409 assists, 936 points, a minus 16 during his 11 years in St. Louis. It wasn't really until the end of his career when Brett Hall started really focusing on defense. Uh, in fact, that was one of the knocks when he was acquired from Calgary was that Brett Hall did was – I think the word was inattentive to uh, his defensive duties uh, when he came over. He also was not a, his conditioning wasn't the greatest either. So both for both players in that regard are kind of two players that kind of had to grow a little bit during their time in St. Louis. Um, but for me, that's and they both were blonde, so that that's that's another similarity. But that's kind of where the similarities end. These are two very different players in two very different positions. And that's what's going to make this ultimate decision, I think, tough when you look 
at just what these two players gave to their teams. Now, neither one of them gave the Blues a Stanley Cup. That's, you know, that's, that, that's, you know, that, that's one thing to note. Um, but they both were on teams that you could have said could have won the Stanley Cup, uh, even not, not counting the 95-96 season when they played together. Um, I think there was definitely a couple early 90s teams that you felt could have gone all the way. Um, and then, of course, there was the 99-2000 season that Chris Ponger was a captain of the Blues of, where the Blues won the uh, President's Trophy, and then, you know, what happened, happened. Um, so, I, for me, I mean, I've always grew up, grew up a Brett Hall fan. Brett Hall, you know, was the flashy, the cocky, the confident. He was the hot shot, you know, forward of his time. And uh, he helped get me into hockey. Um, he was a role model for me just because I was very shy and introverted. And he was a very, you know, confident guy. And I, you know, really admired that about him. Um, he scored goals and just goals and bunches. That, that, that was his game. That was his MO. Um, and he helped really built enterprise center. I mean, the, the, the Kiel center at the time. I mean, he, he took, as we talked about last week, he took some of the foundation that Bernie Federko and Brian Sutter and, you know, those guys were kind of building in the eighties and then, you know, took the blues to kind of where they are now. Um, I don't think Pronger had that kind of an impact with the blues, but he was, and, and it's, it's kind of all at the same time wags, not fair because Pronger was not in a position to where he could be seen and be like really flashy. It was his job to be nasty and to stop the offensive rush and do a lot of dirty work. So I don't, I, this one's kind of tough for me. I mean, I, what, what, what are your thoughts on this matchup Wags? It's, it's an incredibly tough matchup because like you said, Brett Hall was a guy that brought a lot of hockey fans to the blues. Um, he basically took a lot of kids and introduced hockey to them as well and made them huge hockey fans. You said you and myself included, and, you know, hockey was brought to me by Brett Hall and Curtis Joseph and Adam Oates in that time frame. Um, I think the one thing that, that Pronger kind of has over Brett Hall is the, the work ethic that he had to bring to St. Louis because I don't, I don't remember the Brett Hall trade. So I don't remember if there's as much vitriol over Rob Ramage going to Calgary for Brett Hall, but the anger that was brought forth to Chris Pronger when he was traded for Brendan Shanahan was something that a lot of people would not be able to overcome. You, you would have seen a guy come in and just wilt under that sort of pressure and that, that anger the team that the, the, the fans had for him and for him to take that and to build that into a, a career in St. Louis, where when he was traded again, fans weren't pissed at him. They were pissed at management because yeah. they did not want to lose Chris Pronger, even at the point where he was at, where he was a little bit older. It was you know mid thirties, I believe they were angry that he was traded. So for a guy that came in, and fans hated him for who they had to give up to get him this unknown defenseman and to, to see where his career in St. Louis went. Brett Hall came in. No one really knew anything about him. They didn't expect much from him. He was kind of a, a project. They didn't know what to, to think of him. And then he became a great player and a, a guy that built the arena. I still think it's Brett Hall because of everything he did. But Chris Pronger has a damn compelling argument for – 
being the best blue of all time because of what he had to go through and what he became. And he was, an, he was also another guy that when you talked about the best defenseman in the league, he was right there. People yeah. were scared to go on the ice when they faced Chris Pronger. Teams game planned around Chris Pronger and Al McKinnis for, for you know, reference as well. That, that tandem, they, they game planned around that. There's not so much game planning you can do around Brett Hall except double team him or triple team him or what have you. But it's harder to game plan around a defenseman than it is a forward, I think. So that's another piece that Pronger has as well. But in the end, I still think Brett Hall is going to be the one that wins this. And that's, that's probably who my vote's going towards. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think Brett Hall will be the ultimate winner of this. Um, by the way, with, with when Brett, when Brett Hall was acquired, um, I, I think he, I think everyone knew that he had talent. I think he was a, uh, he, he was something of a lottery ticket. I think when the blues acquired him, um, but giving up a guy like people forget how good Rob Ramage was. I mean, it, I, I actually, you know, I guess not enough people did because he did advance at least around in our poll. Um, but uh, Ramage was a really good defenseman for his time. And Wamsley was a capable goalie. I mean, he wasn't, you know, very highly rated in our bracket, um, but he was still, you know, he, he wasn't nothing. And Brett Hall was the centerpiece of what we got back for those guys. And Ramage was, you know, a lot of people in, when I talked to Brad Baroud of uh, Flames Unfiltered of, you know, in our hockey podcast network earlier this season, you know, we talked about the whole trade a, a lot and, you know, there was no vitriol really when, uh, today about that trade among Flames fans because Rob Ramage was instrumental in helping the Flames win the Stanley Cup, you know, back in that time. He was considered kind of to be like that missing puzzle piece, if you will, in their defense. And uh, you really can't, you know, deny a guy who helps your team win a Stanley Cup. Uh, so that that's I, I, Flames fans. I think that I think most Flames fans understood the deal um, at the time. I mean, they thought it was a great deal at the time because I think Brett Hall kind of worn his welcome in in Calgary, and I think they understand it now just as a deal that it just it, it's kind of like with Robbie Fabry in Detroit to a much lesser degree in that it wasn't going to work for Fabry here in St. Louis. It could work elsewhere. I think with Brett Hall, it wasn't going to work in Calgary. It would have had to have worked elsewhere. Um, so I think Hall needed to get out of Calgary for various reasons. Um, but that's, that's it. I'm kind of sidetracking here. Um, back to the matchup at hand, you make up an interesting point, and that is, you know, you are trained as a, as co- as a coach to – come up with game plans to shut down a guy like Brett Hall. Um, you know, you, you know that he is going to be the key offensive cog. You know, he's the most dangerous player. Uh, now, stopping him is a completely different manner. I mean, you know, they've tried to stop Alex Ovechkin for years, and look how well that's worked out. Um, but, uh, you know, so – but you really – you're right in that you don't really game plan for a defenseman. Pronger was a guy I felt that you had to at least have some plan to deal with because he was that good. He was that good defensively. He was a shutdown defender. He was a rough player. Sometimes went overboard a, little, a few times, but you know that's that's that that was just his game. Um, and he was a guy that you had to pay attention to in offense as well. Whereas Brett Hall was just that one way you know offensive spark. And unless you're a Red Wings fan or even a Dallas fan, you, you know, you don't view him as a two way forward. I mean, by the time he got to Dallas, that's when he started really becoming 
the player he was later in his career. But credit Brett Hall for metamorphosis, you know, going through that metamorphosis in his career uh, once he realized the game was changing. And uh, by the end of his career, yeah, he was considered, you know, a, a two-way forward. Uh, he even had some Selkie mentions you know, in one of his last years in, in Detroit. I mean, you never would have expected that from Brett Hall. Um, but in terms of their impacts here in St. Louis, I, I, for me, it just it goes back to the simple fact that while I think Chris Pronger will get some votes, I think he'll uh, challenge Brett Hall. But put it this way, Brett Hall's number hangs from the rafters right now. It's taken them a while to get to Pronger for some reason. And his number deserves to be in the rafters as well. But their numbers will hang in the rafters that Brett Hall built, not Chris Pronger. Uh, So I'm going to give the nod to Brett Hall. I think Brett Hall wins this. I think he takes the tournament and it's deserved. But I, 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 I want, I expect this one to be close because Pronger seems to be a guy that you appreciate more when he's gone. You know, I, I think blues fans were devastated when Pronger left uh, and was traded to Edmonton and seeing what he was doing in Edmonton and helping them, you know, towards a, uh, towards a cup. I mean, uh, or at least in that general direction, um, you know, whereas the blues kind of sank into the Bill Laurie created abyss, you know, during those years that followed. Um, and, and I think nowadays, like, you know, Pronger was just on spitting chiclets, you know, you've, you, you, you see Pronger hanging around, you know, blues games a lot. I mean, I think he's a guy that I think fans definitely appreciate more now than they did then. So I'm curious how that affects voting a little bit, but at the same time, Chris Pronger was, didn't go up on stage and drunkenly sing Gloria, you know, uh, during the parade either. So yeah, I think I think I think that you know also works in Brett Hall's favor because he's everyone's favorite drunk here in St. Louis. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going with Brett Hall, but I think it's going to be close. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, the the mindset of the Blues is, and it was a, a slogan for a while was bleed blue. Brett Hall bleeds blue. He he is a part of the fabric of the St. Louis Blues, and now he's part of the organization. Like you said, he was up on stage, drunk and singing Gloria, and, and all those sorts of things. And and I think Chris Pronger bleeds blue as well, but it's not to the extent that Brett Hall does. Um, you know, he's a Pronger's a scout for what the Flyers or the Panthers uh, or something Panthers. here, Panthers in St. Louis. So he still lives here. He still goes to the Blues games, like you said, but. He's working for an enemy in the Panthers. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yes, you got you got to get a paycheck somehow. But as much as as Pronger would bleed blue for the for St. Louis, I think Brett Hall just bleeds that much more. And I think that's a situation that'll be rectified pretty soon. I I, I wouldn't be shocked if Pronger does end up in the Blues front office at some point. I mean, he's a, he, he's a pretty smart guy. And, oh, yeah. uh, and, and I, I think he'd be an asset in the front office. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him and McGinnis working together in, in, in some way, shape or form again, because that yep. was, that was the dream pairing grow, uh, going up, growing up. That was for sure. So, uh, all right. So what we're going to do is we're going to post this poll usual time, Monday at noon, uh, central time, uh, St. Louis time. And it's going to be Pronger versus Hall. And what we want to do as well, I want you guys to comment and tell us why you picked Brett Hall or why you picked Chris Pronger. And it's going to be kind of like a, it's going to be like a poll within a poll. 
I want to see if uh, I, I just kind of want to see our fans kind of like defend their pick. I want to see, you know, you know, like if it ends up being like, you know, like 70 to 30 hole, I want to see the comments from pronger fans and, you know, it's like, so we can be like, well, it was 70, 30 Brett Hall in the actual poll that you click and vote and you're done. But among the diehard fans, maybe it's 50, 50, you know, I just, it, it's going to be like a poll within a poll, if you will. Um, but we're going to have this going all week. So I'm going to post this, as I said, at our Twitter page at blue notes pod on Monday at noon, and it's going to end at noon on Friday. So we're going to keep it going and let's see those comments um, and of course we can do any of this without our friends at Manscaped and Isha, go ahead and tell us about Manscaped. This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below the belt grooming, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know, if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below the belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane. If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below the belt grooming. All right, Ish, thank you very much for that. And now without further ado, you may have even skipped ahead to this point for all I know. And if you did, I don't blame you one bit. Uh, But we are going to go right now into part one of our chat with Gerard, the Dutch blues fan. We have gone on a little bit of a world tour these uh, past couple of weeks. We started with Luke Whitbin in Minnesota, who gave us our our new theme song. We're so thankful for that. Uh, We talked to Guy, the Hawaii blues fan, last week, and he's now doing our Aloha commentaries for us. And uh, now we're going to talk to Gerard, who has graciously agreed to come on not one but two episodes with us to talk about his St. Louis Blues experience. And uh, just, I just want to see how he's doing. You know, I, I, we just wanted to see how he's doing. It's, and, and the good thing, Wags, we can report, it sounds like he's doing good. Yes, it is. And it's a year later since he's been in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, we would have liked to have been talking to him uh, with another Blues Stanley Cup final run. Not how it is, but uh, it's great to kind of reminisce and see the little bit of a backstory about how everything kind of came to be. Well, as I mentioned in our promo video, we are bringing Gerard back to North America via Zoom. So let's go ahead. Here is our Blue Notes face-off of the week. Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan. We 
have finally made connection with our good buddy from the Netherlands, Gerard joins us a year after he was in St. Louis. We're reconnecting with him once again. Gerard, how's it going, bud? Well, everything's fine here, considering the crazy time we live in with the coronavirus all over the world. But doing fine, healthy, and happy. So, missing blues hockey, of course. Oh, uh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. And, and and that's the important thing, right there. Is we're we're happy. We're still happy. We're alive. Yes. We have our health, and and we're and we're doing great. Uh, so, I, but that's actually gonna be the first thing I asked you, Gerard. Is how are things going in the Netherlands with this pandemic? Well, of course, I'm still in touch with uh, lots of people through social media in St. Louis and Missouri, um, and and you can um, you can. Um, say it's more like the same thing that's going on over at your place with the measures and the amount of um, affections, uh, um, infections, I mean. And um, so it's, it's, it's similar to what's going on in St. Louis and, and surrounding. So if, if you want to have a, a bit of a picture of how things are going here, you should compare it to how it's over there. It's, it's not much worse, but it's not much better either. So. Yeah, we're starting to reopen some things here in St. Louis, some businesses, some restaurants, but they all have uh, different parameters and particulars to them. Uh, what's going on in the Netherlands in that regard? Are things still pretty shut down or, or what's the situation? No, we, we were like a couple of weeks ahead of the United States with uh, getting the virus in this country. But uh, things are reopening here as well. Um, Restaurants, bars, um, they were some of the first things to, to be closed. And now you can go uh, um, from June 1st, you can go to restaurants and bars uh, again, but uh, with a certain amount of people. And you have to keep your distance, of course, five feet or six, uh, depending on how you measure it. You have a different <laughs> metric system, of course, but let's say five to six feet. And um, with with a maximum amount of people, and that goes for movie theaters and stuff like that as well. So, um, but the one main difference is the wearing of the of the masks because you do it a lot in the, in the, in the United States and in St. Louis. But here, it's um, we have problems with how many there are, and um, there there the experts here are not agreeing upon the how do you say it the the, the 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 worth of the 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 effect of wearing a mouth mask in public so we don't need to do that because they say it doesn't help enough but i don't know who's right uh, every country has its own approach i mean if you look at other european countries in sweden very familiar because of all the hockey players of course uh, they didn't even close the restaurants and bars and they don't have bigger problems than we do or you do so what is the what is the right way to approach this? Nobody knows. Yeah, I just do what I'm told, Wags. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I, I'm overcautious more than anything else. So, uh, now, Gerard, you're a sports journalist over there. How have you endured this pandemic with your job? And, and really, how has your job been affected by all this? Well, there, there wasn't a lot of sports all of a sudden anymore. So that's a worldwide problem as well. And we're, of course, a, a soccer country. And, um, well... Um, that, those are all big events, of course, uh, just like the American sports, big events uh, for television, big events for the public to go to. 
um, massive crowds, so they they shut down the the leagues as one of the first things. And also um, in in sports, and I mean in America, it's more like the same. I think the, the MLB or the NBA won't start much sooner than the NHL, I guess. But in uh, in Europe, you have the, the 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 big soccer countries like Germany. They started their league again. Yep. Well, if that's a good idea, time will tell. But here in Netherlands and in France, for instance, they uh, completely called off the season already. So that's that's a strange difference between a couple of hours uh, travel. So now, that's, that, that, that's really weird. That's really weird. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and, and I was going to ask you a little later on, but I can ask you now. So you mentioned Netherlands is a big soccer country. Um, when I think of Europe and hockey, I often think first of like Germany. I think of the Scandinavian countries, obviously, uh, Switzerland even. Uh, how big is hockey in the Netherlands? Well, it's, it's up there, but it's not like the most popular uh, kind of sport. And also not because uh, it's not because people don't like it. But we're, of course, a small country. Uh, the tradition is the soccer, uh, uh, cycling, uh, swimming, gymnastics, those kinds of sports. Um, but I think when I look at the, the, the world ranking, I, if I'm not mistaken, Netherlands is, is like 23rd or 24th or something. So, um, so we don't have much of a hockey culture. Um, but uh, having said that, um, if you don't grow up with it, but uh, you like it like I do, and you show people what it's really like, and you take them to a game here, almost everyone says, oh, I didn't know it was, would be such fun. To watch and to to see them play so and that's only in the leagues here I mean that's that's the skill level I mean it's I can't even skate backwards so whatever they do in this league uh, here in the Netherlands that's already uh, pretty awesome I think but if you would would uh, have the St. Louis Blues play the Dutch national hockey team I think it would be 10-0 easily <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe even per period. I don't know. But, um, but that, that's a big difference. I mean, that would be like St. Louis FC in soccer playing uh, the German national team. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the kind of difference in the level is, is huge. And yeah, it that goes was... so much faster in, in the NHL. It's unbelievable. If you see that with your own eyes, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, SDLFC versus the German national soccer team wags, that would not be pretty. I just go to see the German national team because that's my that's my team, man. That's my team. Oh man! So Gerard, um, assuming there's no pandemic, you know, just in your normal life, is there a hockey rink that you can go to that's close that you can enjoy a game or you know go play hockey or you know if not, what's the closest rink that you guys have to you? Yeah, well, we we do have a lot of rinks um, uh, here in this in this city. There's one and. Um, 20 miles um, down the road, there's one. That's a big, big first league team. Um, and they, they even had one uh, guy during the lockout who played uh, in the Netherlands. Um, not for that team, but for a different team that was the only NHL player. Um, Dale Weiss. Dale Weiss. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember him. In that time, I guess. So everybody was, was, uh, was uh, ecstatic that we had an NHL player in the Netherlands. So, and we, of course, have, uh, have one NHL player, Daniel Sprung, yes. from the Netherlands. 
I grew up in Canada, but hey, but um, <laughs> um, so 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 yeah, we do have rinks here. We can play, um, but it's just not a big enough sport uh, to 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 be really, really huge uh, popular popular wise in Netherlands. In fact, Daniel Sprong is the first Dutch NHL player since the mid '80s. Uh, yep. There was a there was a pretty decent gap there for a while. There have been four Dutch players, by the way, that have played in the NHL. Well, three and one with an asterisk. I'll kind of explain that when we get to him. You mentioned Sprong from Pittsburgh and Anaheim. The last one before that was Eddie Beers. Um, he played in Calgary one year in St. Louis. Uh, had his career kind of cut short due to injury, but it was promising. Uh, the one with the asterisk, uh, a guy named John Wesnick. Uh, he play, had a three-game cup of coffee with the St. Louis Blues, and then he went on to Boston, Quebec, uh, and then the Colorado Devils franchise. Uh, kind of a tough guy. He also was not a native of the Netherlands, but he was the son of Dutch immigrants, and he played for the Netherlands national hockey team. Yeah, uh, well, we, we, I can tell you, if you look around the league, you, you probably won't um, – won't know that all of, of those guys, but um, I mean, if I look around the league and I see which Canadians with Dutch last names are all there, I mean, yeah. if those guys weren't uh, 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 sons or grandchildren of Dutch immigrants, they could have played for the Netherlands. We could have been a really good hockey team. And of course, uh, on the St. Louis Blues, you had, uh, uh, or you have, if his uh, career continues anyway, you have, of course, Jay Bowmeister. Yes. So that's a much more Dutch last name than that. You won't see anywhere. So, <laughs> so he is a bit of uh, a little Dutch, uh, Dutch blood in his uh, veins. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then there was also the only other Dutch player was Ed Key, who was a defenseman in the seventies. He played for the blues in the late seventies, early eighties, by the way, he is the uncle of Joe Neuendyke and Jeff Bukaboom. Uh, yeah. Two guys whose last names are definitely very Dutch. So yeah, yeah. So that, that's correct. Yeah. So, that's so correct. And, and I don't know if you knew this Gerard um, and, and, and I, and I, this probably goes zero into your fandom of the St. Louis Blues, but no team has had more Dutch players in its history than the St. Louis Blues. They had three of those guys at one point. No I other, no other team. Had, know that, but. Yeah, no other team had more than two. So that's a interesting little trivial uh, pursuit knowledge there for you. Um, yeah. So going so going into what got you into a fan of the Blues, um, I, I read the Cam Wex story of how you started. You and your friend playing NHL '94. Um, I have fond memories of that game growing up. By the way, we can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, remind us, just what was it about the Blues that said, you know what, that's my team? Yeah, well, because we didn't know anything about NHL as little kids, of course. And um, so what do you do? You, you look at the, at the logos. Uh, in that time, NBA was very popular. Uh, it still is, uh, by the way, in this country. And uh, we did the same thing. We, 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 we went for a team which we liked. Uh, I was a Charlotte Hornets uh, fan uh, back in that day because I liked the colors and the, and the little Hornet. But anyway, uh, back to the blues. Um, my friend said, uh, I don't know, I just picked the team with the nicest logo. And then he went for the Calgary Flames. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we all make mistakes. Um, that's, a, that's a pity. But uh, I thought it's actually a good theory to choose a team. So I went 
through the logos and I saw screaming animals and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden there was this nice blue note, um, very out of the ordinary, very classic. And I thought, that's, that's cool. I want to be that team. And then you see uh, it's St. Louis. And, and then because, uh, I mean, sometimes you play a computer game as kids. Uh, it, it doesn't mean anything to you. But in a way, I don't know why, but I got curious. Uh, I wanted to know how this team was doing in real life, you know. And then with the internet coming, and later on streaming and stuff like that. Um, you, you watch it and you can see actual video of it and then you can see live games, etc. So the technology helped. And then uh, I got hooked on the St. Louis Blues. Okay, okay. now which, which version of NHL 94 did you have? Did you have the Sega or did you have the uh, Nintendo version? Yeah, Nintendo, yeah. You had, you had Nintendo, okay. Yeah. I have I had the Sega version, and there's 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 all often a long running debate among NHL '94 aficionados, which it's it's still a thing here in the United States. There's a lot of you know NHL '94 fans. Some say the Sega version is the better one because it had slightly better sound. Some said the Nintendo version was better because of I think something to do with controls. Um, Wags, you didn't even have I mean your your first law, your first introduction to video game hockey, Wags, wasn't even even NHL '94. No, it was it was Stanley Cup on the SNES, uh, but my uncle had a Sega and he had NHL '94, and I was over there three times a week a lot, and we would play that all the time. And yeah, just I don't everything about it was just so cool. I mean, the way the players move, the sound, the music, the hits—you could you know they they make sounds when you hit people. That was the really really cool part of it for me, and I, I just I am I loved it. I loved playing that game. Yeah. It was it was very nice and, and and classical game. Everybody knows it, no yeah. matter where you're from. Yeah. That, knows it. Now, now, how about how many times do you think this was something I did? But how many times do you think you took the St. Louis Blues to the Stanley Cup in NHL '94 <laughs> in, in, the, in, in the tournament mode? <laughs> now, I, I I can't even really remember because it's such a long time ago. But yeah. I do I do remember that we also played. Uh, and through the years, other NHL games, uh, 2004 and 2013, and I I still know that uh, when I had um, uh, I had the Blues uh, in the career mode or something, I think I don't know how and why exactly, but in the end, I won the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues, and then you got I think it's NHL 2013 or something, doesn't matter. Then you got uh, the the team photo. Uh, with the cup and then I thought this would be it like this this is how it would look like if they really win it someday well and and, and then here we are last year and everybody had probably the same feeling uh, it's like a computer game you now really see them with stuff that doesn't actually happen no normally uh, up till last year of course so it, it reminded me uh, uh, of the computer game right away yeah. So now, who was your uh, who was your favorite blues player back then? Oh no! Well, I didn't even I didn't have a specific um, favorite when we started because I didn't know those guys, of course. But but during the years in the nineties, uh, you you get the, the Brad Hall, of course. You get the the, the Gretzky trade, even if it was a short time. But I mean, everybody—if you're a hockey nation or not—everybody knows Wayne Gretzky. You know, it's. He's like an international sports uh, figure. Everybody knows. And, and then 
that the great ones played in a shirt with the uh, with the team of the team I liked. That was something like, oh wow, I, I'm I'm we are really uh, um, yeah we we are really counting. You know, St. Louis is on the international map. Everybody uh, in in international hockey, of course, knows Gretzky too from the St. Louis Blues and those shirts in those days with the, the white and the, the red with the trumpet on the on the i mean <laughs> if you look at that that it's yeah the, those ones the yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm showing, by the way, for the for our audio listeners, I'm showing Gerard my Wayne Gretzky mid-90s blues jersey. I had it stitched and I had it made literally like two weeks before he left St. Louis. So imagine the heartbreak of having a Gretzky jersey at, right after he left St. Louis. Yeah, that's that's uh, but he played for St. Louis. I I still think that's that's so nice if you see something about Gretzky and then and then there's St. Louis Blues on his resume. That's that's cool. I, even though it didn't help us win a title, but still. And it's and it's cool that he still lives in St. Louis. I mean, he it's, it's one of, he's, he has a few homes and he spends time in each one. But he uh, uh, one of his primary uh, places of residence is here in St. Louis. I actually know the street that he lives on. You know, it just it, and that's kind of a cool thing. It's like I know where the great one lives. It's awesome. Um, okay, well, be sure to tell me someday because when <laughs> I ever come back to St. Louis, I need to go there. Well, ne- ne- next time you're in St. Louis, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll drive you by his house. Uh, you know. But we'll have to drive by it quickly so we don't look like loiterers. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I, I can show you his house. I'm, I'm pretty sure if we were to reach out on social media and say, hey, this guy from the Netherlands is a huge Blues, blues fan and is in town and wants to meet Wayne Gretzky, I think that might get some sort of response. I mean, the, the Blues fans got him here. I'm yeah. sure Blues fans can get him to meet Gretzky. Uh, that's true. Who knows? The, the the power of the St. Louis Blues fans goes a long way. I noticed that last year. So, it does. It does. And also, Gretzky is a really nice guy. He's one of those guys that, like, you know, he's not one of those, you know, that puts on a pretty face, you know, and a happy face on camera, and then it's just a total dick bag off the off camera. He's actually a really nice guy. Uh, so yeah, I'm he sure seems like that. Yeah. I'm sure we could set something up for you. Uh, <laughs> So getting back to, you know, growing up, you know, in, in, well, in the Netherlands and, you know, you just, you discover the blues and the NHL through the video game. Um, and, and I have a question for you from one of our listeners. His name is Chris Perkins and it kind of ties into, uh, you know, just life as a hockey fan and as a blues fan in the Netherlands, where's the oddest place that you have worn blues gear and had it recognized by someone? Uh, that's actually a nice question. Well, uh, there are lots of places because most people here, uh, don't know what, uh, what it's, what it's about. So they ask a lot. Uh, I, um, I, uh, the, the, the craziest thing I think, uh, is, um, it was a month, uh, after I was back last year. So it was July, end of July, 2019. I had to go for work, um, to a racetrack. There was an international uh, racing uh, event. Uh, I was there, um, and it was nice weather. So um, I had on a sweater, but underneath it, it was this one, actually. I didn't prepare this, so this is pure coincidence, (laughs) but I wore this shirt. Yeah, it's pure coincidence. I wore this shirt, and it was warm, so I, I took off the jacket, and I was standing um uh on on like a patio uh, at the um, start finish line 
um, and there were some some uh, sponsors of drivers and stuff like that. And there were also Germans participating in the contest. And then a guy comes up to me and he says, "Hey, that's a St. Louis Blues uh, shirt, uh, T-shirt." And I said, "Yes." So, well, like that's that's correct. But why? And and I thought he had a funny accident, a uh, funny accent, <laughs> I must say. And then he said in German English with this German uh, tone of voice, uh, he said, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a shame because I am a Boston Bruins fan. <laughs> so, but I had a lot of fun. So I said, yeah, take a good look. This is the, the shirt of the champions, you know? <laughs> and so I don't, it didn't make any friends that, that afternoon in Germany. Um, but uh, I like Germans, but uh, yeah, well, if you're for Boston Bruins and you come up to me, yeah, then I rub it in your face. Well, I hope you like Germans because you're talking to two Germans right now, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> we are good neighbors in uh, in uh, Europe. We just don't like them with uh, national soccer teams. So <laughs> totally understandable rivalry. rivalry. <laughs> yeah, definitely not like some of the uh, the St. Louis Chicago ones. But uh, so being in the Netherlands, you, it's it's like a seven hour time difference between here and there. How hard is it to watch? the NHL games where you're at? Is it more so that you, you can watch the recordings or, or do you stay up late and watch it live? Yeah, I could I could watch the recordings, but I don't want to because then I already know how it's ended because I can't wake up and then wait till the evening and then replay it. No, I mean, I have to watch it live. So unfortunately for me, that means uh, sacrificing sleep. Uh, that means staying up late and not... Um, um, or or uh, uh, sleeping uh, beforehand some couple of hours and then waking up. It's not always possible because you have to work, of course, and uh, and uh, sometimes you fall uh, fall asleep. You know that happens too. Uh, I'm not a robot, of course, but I, I, I do my best, and I think I, I watch 50 or of the 82 games live because I try it as most as I can, and of course every time there's an afternoon game. Uh, I see uh, at your place, I mean, I see people uh, on Twitter saying, oh, well, afternoon game, blah, blah, blah. They don't like it. Uh, Sunday, 1, uh, 1 p.m. But uh, I, I'm uh, I'm cheerful and then doing a dance when there's a, an afternoon game because that's a normal time for me, you know, so. I'm always happy. I, I say, let's do more afternoon games <laughs> for well, guys I like me. I, and I'm kind of the same way with with Premier League games in England, where it's like for us here in the United States, they usually start very early on 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 Saturday mornings. And when I say very early, not like you, but like you know, six o'clock in the morning for us, you know, mm-hmm. on a Saturday. For me, Saturday mornings are for sleeping, so you know, it's it's it, it's tough for me to roll out of bed and watch a Premier League game live. So like anytime they have like night games in the Premier League, which which happen, they're not most frequent, but they happen. I'm down for those because those start closer to like you know noon for us you know which is is good for us so i can relate to you on that it's 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 definitely uh it's definitely a challenge yeah yeah but it's it's you you want to watch it as it happens so and if i can't watch it because i always uh uh always sometimes i have to work as well um uh, with an afternoon game and then it's for uh, for example it's 8 p.m here and then i come back from a, a soccer game to write a report on and then in the on the way home i put on the bluetooth of my phone on the car radio and then on my phone i 
go to the NHL app or the St. Louis Blues app. Uh, and then I, I do the, the recording of the, the play-by-play of the radio. So I listen in the car to the radio. Perfect. That's also, uh, that's also uh, something you can try, of course. When you're not able to watch it, you can still hear it live. Oh, I, I'd, I'd still definitely advocate for that. Uh, the Blues have a really good play-by-play guy and Chris Kerber and uh, Joey Vitale is a good color guy. I mean, definitely it's uh, it's an asset, you know, that we have yeah. here, that we have good we have good uh, radio guys here for sure. But so you finally got your chance to come over and see the Blues live. It's June 3rd, 2019. By the grace of GoFundMe, you make it to St. Louis. So uh, the first question I have for you from, from that experience is, did you have some Emo's pizza while you were here? And are you pro or anti Provel cheese? Uh, I, I had it and uh, I don't know what was on it, but it tasted good. So I'm pro or uh, pro pro anything uh, that was on it. So. Well, well, I ask you that because pro because the cheese they use is a very divisive thing. I mean, uh, bar, uh, Dave Portnoy with uh, Barstool Sports can't stand the stuff. Uh, most people that are non St. Louis and seem to not care for the cheese. So you being Dutch, you know, and obviously you have. I find that you know one of the things that Europe has America beat on is cheese just in general yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I was kind of curious your opinion on that yeah yeah well if you say cheese and Europe you say uh, the Dutch of course and the Swiss yeah so uh, we know our cheese and we like <laughs> cheese so uh, so we so we're not that picky on which cheese we we just like cheese in general so and now, pizza too so now, uh, that's a good combi now there in America you have no problem finding a pizza joint you know there there's one at every you know corner it seems are there any pizza places in, in uh, where you live uh, are, are they are they big in in the Netherlands Yeah 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 it's very popular here um it's um it's it's I think it's the one thing together with Asian restaurants where people go uh, go out to uh, have dinner um it's also not very expensive so it's it's uh, for a lot of uh, it's it's yeah it's it's suitable for lots of people no matter how large uh, your income is and uh, we, yeah we we like pizza because um, there's also so many choices in pizza you know that's yeah. that's of course the power of pizza for everybody around the world uh, there's always a pizza you like probably so so that's uh, very popular here yes but McDonald's too and. Uh, <laughs> And Subway, that's the, that's also very popular here. You know, Wags, one of, one of my weird things is I've always wanted to try McDonald's in Europe just to see, like, <laughs> what's what's the difference between them oh. and America? Oh, it's the, the Royale with cheese, right? Yeah, the, the, everybody knows it from Pulp Fiction, yeah, the Royale <laughs> with cheese. But uh, I, can, I can tell you, in, uh, if you go to McDonald's in Netherlands, uh, or Germany or France, they have totally different things. So even the European McDonald's places are different in itself in different countries. So that's, I mean, that's, that, but that's probably hard to understand for, for people from the States um, uh, because you, you should compare Europe to the United States, of course, and then every state in, in the US would be a different country with a different language and different rules and st- and, and 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 school systems and and etc etc that's hard to imagine but that's the, that's the, that's why there are so many differences in europe 
That makes total sense. I mean, it, here we've got the South, the North, the West, the Midwest. So, I mean, maybe you could split up the the zones by, you know, by country, but even then, I mean, there's still so, some, so many similarities, but you get over into Europe and it's, yeah, it's, it's wildly different over there. Um, yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about the process to get you here. Um, you would kind of save for something like this, but you know, at the yeah. turn of the year in 2019, the blues were in last place. You probably weren't thinking, oh, I'm coming over now, but then things started to change. What was the process like to get you over here and what was that like? Yeah, because I always said if they reach the final, I come to St. Louis. And there were years, uh, we all know that, of course, that it looked very promising and that uh, I saved money for stuff, uh, for a a possible trip. Uh, It never... um, it never happened, of course. And then uh, last season, now, just like you said, and what everybody thought, I think, in January, I also thought, well, this is not going to be the year. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I bought a house and put all my savings in there. And then I had nothing left, um, or a little bit, but not enough. And then the Blues, of course, reached the playoffs, uh, one, one round after another, and then they reached the final. And then there were some... There were people who said, hey, you always said this and this and this. And I said, yeah, that's true, but I didn't save money for that, so that won't be possible, you know. It's, I mean, that's that's not an option. Um, but then they said, oh, well, what if, if there's going to be a GoFundMe? And I thought, well, that's a nice idea. But And I know I had a lot of contact with people on Twitter, and some people know me as a Dutch Blues fan already at that time. Um, so I thought maybe maybe 10 people give $5 or maybe someone gives $50. That would be crazy in a way. But I think I might get one or $200 or maybe three, but that's it. And then all of a sudden, it got completely out of hand when that started. And uh, the mystery donor, uh, people who don't know it, um, in short, the, the, all of a sudden, there, there, there were first in, in, in the first days there were already uh, um, donations of 50 euros and stuff like that from people I didn't even know. So I thought, oh, that's more than I thought, twenty dollars and etc. Uh, but then all of a sudden uh, on a Monday night I didn't uh, watch my phone, and um, after two hours of not watching my phone. Uh, I saw 48 messages or something, or 84, I don't know, um, a couple of tens of messages. And uh, the first one on the top, um, it's it's said in capital letters, in, in Dutch, of course, but I translated, you have to look at your GoFundMe page now. And it was from a friend of mine. So I thought, what, what happened, you know? So I logged in and I saw a, a donation of $1,500. So I thought this can be true, you know? And, and, so I immediately uh, checked in with the help desk of GoFundMe. So it's like, is this real? Is this, uh, or I don't know, maybe someone's pulling a joke on me, you know, here in the Netherlands, because I, I, didn't, I didn't see a normal name. Uh, but they said, no, it's a real donation. I heard that very soon um, online through some chat help desk. And then I thought it's really, it's really true. But, but who is it, you know? And um, and uh, the name was uh, was consisting of two last names, Hell and Plant. <laughs> so I thought, hey, those are two goalies of the Blues. So a, a, a Dutch, uh, normal Dutch, not hockey fan, wouldn't know those names. So that 
that made it uh, uh, real. Um, that it that is probably real, and somebody from St. Louis. Um, otherwise, you don't know that. And um, and I could write a thank you message, so I did. Uh, and I said thank you, and I'm I'm, I'm astonished, and I, I was flabbergasted. But I wanted to thank the person and know who he was, and and or she. So I said, and now I'm obviously going to St. Louis because I can at least buy a ticket, and then we'll see what what how long and when and what's going to happen. Um, but then I got a uh, reply that it's uh, and it said, it doesn't matter who I am. Uh, I know that you follow the blues. I see you, uh, your posts on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, I just w- want to make sure that someone like you has a great time in St. Louis. So if I can help, I can miss this. So if I can help you, then I will. And it, it's not about me, but it's about you. So till this day, almost a year later, I still don't know who it is or was. Uh, there's, there's, that, that's a crazy thought. There's at least one person in this world who knows I was the mystery donor and nobody else knows. No, and I thought when I'm in St. Louis, I'll find out or maybe I'll hear it later, months later, or uh, through people who say, oh, I heard this or, or I think it's... But nobody has had any clue. So I, I really don't know who it is and that that's of course uh, crazy but that that, that uh, it uh, i mean i'm very thankful to someone i completely don't know so that's that's a very strange feeling you know yeah. but hey that was the wish to stay uh, anonymous so i didn't look into it further because if that's somebody's wish then i have to respect that of course so maybe someday i find out and that was the beginning of how i could get to st louis of course um, because the plane ticket was also expensive and then, uh, then, uh, then, the, the, then the media, the St. Louis Post Dispatch, made a story about the mystery donor, and that accelerated more uh, attention and donations. Because then I got also a donation of a family who lost their son to brain to a brain tumor earlier in the in the season in the playoffs in uh, some weeks before, and they said, "Listen, uh, our son would have uh, liked this story." And that you come from such a long way to St. Louis, uh, he would have liked uh, if you had visited the game. So uh, we donate four hundred dollars to uh, use it for a game ticket. Game four was that uh, because I, I, I arrived on the evening of game three, and um, you know the seven two. <laughs> and then I thought, well, okay, so now I'm here, and now uh, they're losing seven two two one behind. I have to go to game four because maybe it's over in five. So then uh, I, I used that money to buy a ticket as well. But with a ticket of $800 for a game, a thousand for a plane, the money went, uh, went uh, well, it disappeared quite fast. Let me put it like that. Because I thought I, I will have lots of money left and then I can donate it to a, uh, to a great cause, a charity or something. But I, I, I had to stay longer because it went to seven games and then the parade and I had to cancel my flight. I paid that myself, but with the, with the, with the accommodation, the, the game four ticket and the plane ticket it was already, uh, it, it was already gone out of the window, the, the, the donations. That's how expensive it was. And that's also says something about how unrealistic it would have been to go here myself. So it was once in a lifetime. And I always said, I didn't ask for anything. And um, and um, 
I know, I said that last year, but I still do the, the, emphasize that. I know how special it is that I was able to go there because lots of people from over there at your place didn't even have a chance to go there. So I, I truly realize that that's very, very unique. All right, and so we've, we've gotten Gerard here to St. Louis. We're going to talk a little bit more about his time in St. Louis next week on Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me, there is no Hockey Podcast Network, and there is no Blue Notes. I'm Tom Franklin on behalf of WAGS, reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. Listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.